Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 52, The Bible and Contradictions. First of all, the definition of a contradiction. It's a combination of statements, ideas, or features of a situation that are opposed to one another. A person, a thing, or a situation in which inconsistent elements are present. Or it's the statement of a position that is opposite to a position already made. So the reason we're doing this today is because many people over the years have stated, of course, that, that, that they think there are contradictions in the Bible and so it can't be from God and why believe it, right? The basic idea of that is that if, a, if the A statement is true and B happens to be the opposite of A, then B can't be true. If the Bible makes a statement that there were 10 commandments given to Moses And then another statement that five commandments were given to Moses. They cannot both be true at the same time. So people are saying that those types of contradictions are in the Bible, right? And then they're saying that the Bible says something is a sin and then commands people to do it. Or the Bible states a fact, whether it be historical or scientific, and then later opposes that, states the opposite of it. Those are all contradictions, and we're going to address some of those specifically in a few moments, but also you have to understand that a miracle cannot be a contradiction by definition, okay? A miracle is an event or thing that cannot be explained by scientific or natural laws. It is not that the Bible says a miracle happened and then says it didn't happen. Miracles may appear as contradictions, but in point of fact are merely impossible for humans to understand but not impossible for a God, even by an atheist's definition of what a God is. Okay. So for instance, like the virgin birth, well, you can't give birth if you're a virgin, right? But it's called a miracle. It's consistent with the Bible, the Bible's teaching. The Bible does not say that Mary was a virgin and yet not a virgin at the same time. That would be a contradiction. The idea of the Trinity is a miracle. The idea of Jesus walking on water is a miracle. Okay. That's not what we're talking about here. So then you have to also understand now that you know what a contradiction is, of course, then we've got to talk about, well, what is the, the Bible, the religious Holy Bible that is understood to be from God and God has to be perfect. If God is perfect, if he gave us his word, then his word must be perfect. Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that, that idea of inspiration of God is actually one word, theopneustis, which is God breathed. This is literally the words from God. So a contradiction in it would indicate that it's not from God or that God is not perfect and thus not God. So this brings us to the idea that I 100% believe in, which is solo scriptura. And that is the idea that only the Bible is inerrant and humans are imperfect. Doesn't matter if you're a preacher, doesn't matter if you're a scholar, it doesn't matter if you're the Pope, you are imperfect. You are, you are prone to making mistakes. So solo scriptura teaches that the Bible must hold the answers. The Bible interprets itself. So we have to use the clear teachings in the Bible to instruct and guide us in understanding those things that are unclear. Because as flawed humans, we have to be willing to admit that there are some things we just don't understand. So when we find something that is a, quote, contradiction, it's because we're missing something in the Bible. 
we're missing something. We don't understand it. It's not that there's a contradiction because the Bible is incapable of contradictions because it is from God. So let me explain. There are two types of common errors people make when they claim that a contradiction exists in the Bible. Now, there may be more, but these are the ones that I've been able to decipher, okay, as far as uh, scrolling the internet and seeing on the humanist website, the atheist websites, and then uh, chat rooms like Quora and Reddit and things like that. I've come up with, there seems to be a recurring theme of like 10 contradictions that people claim are in the Bible. Of course, they'll say that there's thousands or hundreds of contradictions, but they really can't enumerate them. They, they commonly refer to several of these. And I'm going to go through a couple of them here in a minute. But there are translation errors and there are context errors when people claim a contradiction. Let me explain. A translation error. You have to understand the original language that this was written in by these, these prophets and these ancient people was Koine Greek for the New Testament. Hebrew for the Old Testament and a few handful of Aramaic words as well. So the original writers were inspired. That means those authors only who wrote the text and the original text and the language they wrote it is God breathed words from God that we have to revere and take each word as, as it is true. Okay. That means that people who translate people who write things in the Bible, uh, the Bibles that have the, the notes on the bottom or on the side or the notes in the middle. These are not inspired. These are not the original authors who did those things. People like myself, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not inspired. I'm not giving you inerrant words. Okay. I am prone to making mistakes. So the original text was inspired by God. Not the English. English wasn't even a language back when these books were written. It's not the translators who oftentimes just try to find the best word to explain in something in their language. Those translators are not inspired by God. It's not the chapters or the verse numbers. Those weren't even there in the original text. Okay, none of that stuff is inspired. The only thing inspired is the original words in the original language by the original authors. Second Peter talks about this. Second Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we have actual translation errors because of this stuff. You have to understand that translators attempting in whatever language they're translating into, they are attempting to convey a thought rather than the words of the Bible sometimes. And that means when they do that, when they're not trying to translate the actual words, they're trying to translate the intents or the thoughts that now it's their own words. It's their own thoughts of what they think it means. It is not 
inerrant. When you have a translated copy of the Bible, it has errors in it. So what we call, what, you know, humans call contradictions sometimes are simply translation errors. Another reason that they get these translation errors is sometimes they will use a newer ancient manuscript rather than the archaeologically sound method of referring to the older manuscript, which is closer to the source of the original document. For example, they used some documents from 483 AD instead of some of the Dead Sea Scrolls from 200 BC, which was 683 years prior for some of these words. Some of the source documents, these ancient manuscripts, there's over 24,000 of them, they chose to use one that is scientifically less accurate. So you have to question their methods for why they chose the words for some of these translations. Another translation error would be failing to translate from the original languages and instead choosing to change the words based on a modern interpretation or societal thought, such as social justice or race-based or gender-based. Whatever society is focused on at the moment, they choose to use those words because they want to change the intent of the author. So a deliberate changing of the words as opposed to an actual translation of the words used. And then of course you have typing errors, copying errors, a word left out here or there. So things like that, when you translate into a foreign language, it's very easy to see that yes, there are some mistakes in your translation of the Bible or my translation of the Bible And that's why when you do a deep study of something or when you think something is in error because it appears to contradict, well, the first thing you should do is check the actual word in the original language. And thank God for technology and the fact that we have the Dead Sea Scrolls now that we can predate most of our translations and find the original context. Um, So those translation errors, if you have even a little bit of Google knowledge of being able to search for what the original words were, then it's not that hard to eliminate some of those so-called contradictions. But that's not the main problem that people have when they come up with contradictions. The main problem is context errors. There's historical context, grammatical context, literary context, biblical context. So I'll get into those uh, here in just a moment. But I wanted to make sure that you understand when we start talking about contradictions, before I give you some of the specifics... I want you to know what is not a contradiction. Translation errors are not contradictions. Okay. Context errors are not contradictions. It's just, you don't understand the context. So we have to get past that first and understand when we don't understand something. The first one is going to be historical context. And that should be pretty simple to understand. Number one, we have like local idioms, local customs. Then there's timeline issues as far as the history of things go. And when it comes to local idioms of the time period, that's usually just a simple misunderstanding on our part. Uh, For instance, Revelation 10.10 says, And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now, this was used several times in the Old Testament as well, and that local idiom is actually something similar to what we use today. So in historical context, it's very clear that he's talking about reading a book, And he is using something from that historical context and that language to describe what it did to him. 
It is not some fantastical fake made up story or a dream or something crazy. Okay. He didn't literally eat a book, but the literal way to read this is to understand the context. So we think that, you know, and I say we, as in people who say that this is a contradiction with the Bible is that, that, uh, this is obviously a fake story and you can't read the Bible literally and all this stuff. However, in this modern age, sometimes we'll use idioms similar to it. Like, man, I just ate up her words the way she was praising me. Or when we go to the library and you get a good book, I devoured that book. It was great. Or when somebody tells you something terrible that happened, maybe you heard about a car wreck and you say, it made me sick to my stomach to hear about that. That's exactly what he says in Revelation. I ate it up, the book, so I read the words, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, it made my belly bitter. It turned my stomach. I devoured the book. I ate up her words. (laughs) You see how that works? If you understand that that was used in several places in the Bible. The other thing to think about is local customs. For instance, people see contradictions in everything, and people sometimes like to point to historical fact as proof that the Bible said something wrong. For instance, slavery, okay? The Bible doesn't teach that we should own slaves, but people still owned slaves, and it's documented in the Bible. That is not a contradiction. It's not saying slavery is okay. It's a historical custom that is well documented in the Bible that there were slaves in the Old Testament, even some in the New Testament as well. Now, another historical context is timeline issues. For instance, did something happen twice or is it even two different stories? Remember when I said about the 10, if, if the Bible said there were 10 commandments to Moses and then later it said there were five commandments, those both can't be true unless... God gave Moses commandments two different times. And one time it was 10 and one time it was five. Like you'd feel, you'd feel pretty stupid if you tried to say that was a contradiction and it's clearly two different stories, right? Or what about if it's told from two different perspectives? What about one person seeing him with one stone tablet and only five commandments on it? And he records that. And then three days later, The other guy sees him with two tablets, five on each, and it's 10 commandments. So it's two different people, two different perspectives, two different historical contexts. Both are true based on those perspectives. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened. The Bible doesn't say that about, that was just a made up example. Okay. But here's one that is in the Bible. Sometimes there's a retelling of the same story. John does this in Revelation. Um, many of the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is told from those four different authors' perspectives. The book of Genesis goes into detail and tells a story twice. So John in Revelation, he does this, I think, three different times. Uh, I did a study on this a while back if you want to check it out. But he states what he's going to tell you. Then three chapters later, he explains in detail what he was talking about, and you get more information, and it looks like it's a second thing that happened. And then five chapters later, he explains everything in chronological order and talks about it and adds some more detail for you, but it's the same thing. He's talking about something that will happen in the future and he tells you what he's going to tell you. Then he tells you what he's, what it is. And then he tells you what he told you. That's actually 
something that you learn in college for doing an outline for a story. That's what you're supposed to do, right? So this historical context can change based off of the timeline issues, the local customs, the language, the idioms of the time and, and the language group. And then you also have grammatical context. Don't forget that. You have parts of speech, metaphor, similes, fact versus thoughts versus dialogue of people talking. You also have different points of view. The first person, personal experience. I did this in the Bible. Then you have the third person. I saw this happen. Then you have hearsay where people say that they saw things happen and the writer heard the people say it. He's not affirming that what they said is true. He's just saying that's what people talk about. And we see this supposed contradiction with the death of Judas Iscariot. So real quick, an example, the man hit a home run and ran all the way home. If you read that in a sports column, right? The grammatical context is you're writing about sports using a metaphor in the historical context of baseball that uses an English idiom. It does not mean that the man ran home to his mama in another city and did a marathon. And see, we'll read other things. We'll read newspapers. We'll read books. We'll read magazines and we'll understand the idioms. We'll understand the historical context. We'll understand the metaphors. We'll understand it's the sports section, not the comic section or the history section of the newspaper, right? But when it comes to the Bible, all of that just goes away. No, that's not how reading and writing works. So you also have to understand the literary context. We need to keep the literal sense of the text in mind. In other words, we seek to interpret the text in the sense in which it was written and the way it was intended to be read. Whether we're reading a narrative, poetry, history, prophecy, or a letter, we try to get in the shoes of the original hearers and read a text the way it was originally meant to be read. So you have types of writing, like I just discussed. You have to take into account who the author was and what his intent might have been. Like Moses freeing the people and teaching them about God for the first time. The book of Psalms, which was just singing truthful things. The Gospels was written by a doctor, a tax collector, a religious man, and then the youngest apostle of the twelve, John. Four different viewpoints of the same events sometimes appear to be contradicting accounts, but they're not. And then you have to take into account the audience, especially for the local places and sayings, words known only in that time period and such, what language they were speaking, what their culture was like. And then, of course, we have to understand the biblical context, solo scripture, it's Latin for by scripture alone. And that means that scripture is self-authenticating. It is clear to the rational reader. Scripture interprets scripture. And it's sufficient by itself for the final to be the final authority of Christian doctrine. We do not get to make up our own interpretations. That is contrary to the Bible. So let me give you some specific examples, all right? We're going to talk about slavery. The Old Testament, Leviticus 25.44 appears to approve of slavery. It talks about the bondman and the bondmaid, which you will have the heathen that are around you that you can buy them and such. But then it condemns them in Exodus 21, and it says, He that stealeth a man and selleth him, slavery, he should be surely put, be put to death. Then in the New Testament, it does the same thing. It says it appears to approve slavery. In 1 Peter 2.18, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters. Ephesians 6.5, Servants, be obedient to them. And then it turns around and condemns it in 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. 
condemns enslavers of people. So first of all, those verses that uh, appear to approve of slavery in the Old and New Testament speak of bondmen, bondmaids, bond slaves, and servants. Every one of those is someone that is paid. Now, still a lower class, still a menial position, but they were still paid something. Now, the bond ones were specifically like indentured servants. You owe something, so you have to work it off for so many years, okay? Second, slavery was a worldwide issue. So God was teaching his people, the Jews, that all men were equal in God's eyes and should be treated fairly. So that's in 1 Peter 2, Galatians 3, 28, etc. And third, all servants in the Bible are taught to eventually be freed. Exodus 21 requires that your bond slave must be freed after six years of labor. That's not slavery the way we think of it today. Okay. First Peter two seventeen says, honor all men. The Bible talks about all men being paid, whether it be a wage, a room and board, working towards their, their debt being paid off, whatever. And then the year of Jubilee, they must be freed. That's in Leviticus 25. Ephesians 6, if you read the whole context, talks about how all men should be treated with dignity and honor. So this is quite the opposite of a contradiction about slavery, isn't it? It's more about changing the world to abolish slavery and that the people who have servants, not slaves, must treat them better than the world did. So slavery is actually not a contradiction in the Bible. Here's another one, the creation story. Birds, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Birds made from the water versus birds made from the ground. In Genesis 1.20, it appears to say that the birds came out of the water. And in Genesis 2.19, it says that God created them out of the dust of the ground. This, quote, contradiction is a disingenuous and false reading. Clearly, the ocean life and the air life were two separate creations and it's simply a timeline issue. Chapter one is the summary of what happened and chapter two provides more detail. Same thing with the man and woman made at the same time after the animals in Genesis one versus the contradiction supposedly that man and woman were made separately before the animals in Genesis two. There is no first, second, or then statements within the six days of creation. Every word is from God to try and insert words and to create a timeline within the individual days is contrary to scripture. It's adding to the Bible. For instance, saying that I made steak and potatoes for dinner and then telling someone else that I made potatoes and steak is not a contradiction. I did not say that I made potatoes and then I made the steak and neither does the Bible when it comes to the creation days. So again, chapter one is a summary. Chapter two is providing more detail. Here's another one. Uh, people commonly say the death of Judas Iscariot is a contradiction. In Matthew 27, it talks about how he hanged himself in Acts 1, it talks about how he tripped and burst asunder and all his bowels gushed out. Okay, it says he fell headlong. So, first of all, he might have done both. The Japanese ritual of seppuku, I think it's called, is uh, the samurai warrior class where they would gut themselves with the blade, right? He might have hung himself and gutted himself at the same time. He might have hung himself, the rope broke, and his body fell headlong into something pointed that ripped open his body. Either way, it doesn't matter. The grammar of the two texts indicates one fact in Matthew. He hung himself. 
And one hearsay based on what people talked about in Acts. Paul said it was known to all the dwellers at Jerusalem. Paul didn't see it. He was telling us what people said about the death of Judas. None of it matters because hearsay versus what somebody knows as fact is two completely different things. Not a contradiction. All right. Now, I wanted to point out one more thing about that, too, because it's kind of important in regards to uh, Paul versus Matthew. Paul, when he wrote about it in the book of Acts, didn't personally know Judas. He might have had no issue telling the grisly details about how he was disemboweled when he died, right? Whereas Matthew, when he talks about Judas hanging himself, he lived and walked with him for about three years of his life. He wouldn't have wanted to describe the bloody death of his friend. And he might have simply kept it clean by saying Judas killed himself. There's, again, no apparent contradiction in the death of Judas Iscariot. Now, we also have the Noah's Ark. In Noah's Ark, the animals is considered a contradiction in Genesis 6.19, where it says, take two of every sort, or two of every sort will come. And in Genesis 7, it says, take seven of each of the clean animals. Clearly, this was a summary, two of each, and then a detailed explanation for food, etc., And later, even more detail was given when Noah sacrificed some of them. He couldn't have done that with only two because then that animal would have become extinct, right? So it's not a contradiction at all because if seven came to the ark, wouldn't that include at least two? As God had told him the first time that there's going to be two. Keep in mind also the historical timeline. The first time when God said, hey, I'm going to bring two animals of every kind and you're going to build an ark, there was 120 years difference. After the ark was built, then seven days before God said, hey, you need to take seven of each of the clean animals and kind of makes sense when you look at it that way. He's given them more detail 120 years later after the flood, the 40 days and 40 nights. And then they went around on the boat for several months until it finally landed in Genesis eight, four and five. It says, And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month and the 10th month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen. So people who like to find contradictions in the Bible say that this is one of those contradictions because clearly the mountain of Ararat that it rested on in the seventh month was exposed and seen. And then the very next verse, it says, but the tops of the mountains weren't seen until the 10th month people try and say that's a contradiction. And again, like I said, I've seen this on so many websites. It's crazy. That's why I had to bring it up. You would have to be an absolute idiot to think that this is is somehow two opposite things. Okay. It's, (laughs) there's two simple explanations for any thinking adult. A boat lodges on some land beneath the waterline and thus it cannot be seen is one simple explanation. So on the seventh, seventh month, the boat got stuck on some land that they couldn't see, right? And then by the 10th month, the water had receded enough. They could look out the window and see that, oh, we're on a mountaintop and they could see the other ones around. Or very simply, they could have landed on a visible peak, but nobody was outside the boat to see it before they hit it. Could have happened at nighttime or they did only have one window on the ark, the Bible says. So they could have been looking out that window and it was on the other side. They hit it. And then they couldn't get out. Nobody got outside the boat to see what they hit. They didn't have life rafts. Okay. God had to open the door to let them out. 
the other mountains didn't become visible until later, you know, several mountaintops with different heights becoming visible as the water slowly recedes, right? So these are some of the main contradictions that people claim are in the Bible. And every single one of them is very clearly not a contradiction. Honestly, you have to be either evil or so far beyond ignorant in regards to reading and writing and and basic grammar. It's either that or these people that come up with these contradictions know that they're making up false stuff that can be easily disproven. And they're lying to people to deceive people, to get them away from God so that people won't dare to read the Bible for themselves. Well, that's just an evil person. You're deliberately lying to people about something like why? If you don't believe in it, especially. So the conclusion is this, unlike other religions, Christianity Christians don't merely follow a book. We believe the Bible is the word of God because Christ himself is the word and we base our faith on him. John 1 verse 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Keep reading the whole chapter, John 1, and it it tells you the name of Jesus Christ is the word of God. So when we have his word, if we don't believe it, if we don't understand that it's infallible, it cannot have error. It cannot have contradictions. If you don't believe that, then you're not believing Jesus Christ. You're not believing God himself. There are zero logical contradictions in the Bible. No scholar anywhere in the world who understands language and grammar has ever been able to find a contradiction. The people who claim contradictions are choosing to ignore the obvious, meaning they are ignoring actual words used versus an easily proven translator's error, or they are ignoring historical context, grammatical context, or literary context. There are no contradictions in the Bible. Feel free to email me if you're curious about any of this or you think you found a contradiction. I'll try and bring it up or respond personally to your email, angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. And until next time, may God bless you all.